Welcome to Radio Primavera Sound. We're here with Danny L. Hall. How are you doing? Amazing. We're in a pretty weird dressing room. Is this the most glamorous dressing room you've ever been in? It's like simultaneously my dream and my nightmare. It is. Yeah, it's pretty unique, I've got to say. Um, so to, to ask a very musical question, one thing you're very much known for is collaboration. Um... You've worked with all kinds of different people. What makes, like, a good collaboration for you? Um, I would say the best collaborations and the the times at which it's become the most obvious that the music is going to be released under one of our names um, has been that um, very little is actually said about what's going on. It's just very implicit that we both sort of understand the nature of the music because it's basically impossible to describe music or anything like that and so it's just better just like to do it and then if two people just have a similar attitude or understanding towards the music it's just quite obvious that it's a product that you're both very pleased with and it's just an atmosphere that is quite clear and that you're both sensitive to so I'd say like not saying very much weirdly is like quite a good indicator that the collaboration is going very well you mean in the studio, you're just kind of keeping quiet? Sorry, yeah, yeah, I meant in the studio, exactly. It's like, it, it's, when I, when, when I find myself having to talk a lot in the studio, then maybe it means that there's more, like, sort of bridges to cross, sort of, in order to kind of come up with the best end result. Then again, I've come up with some very good music as a result of that in collaboration with people. But there are just some collaborations that are just an instant sort of synergy and where not much has to be discussed, which is a very satisfying procedure. Like, like what? When did that happen? Okay, so when Carly came in to record Supernatural uh, in Nashville, that was, um, uh, I was uh, talking to Nate Campany, who I wrote the song with, and he said, don't say anything to Carly. She will nail this song. She will understand it perfectly. And I was like, okay, fine. Let's just see what happens. And then Carly walked into the booth and she said hello, obviously, then walked into the booth. And then, yeah, it just, it just came out perfectly. And that was something that, yeah, it, it's, it's a feeling like no other. Because like she expressed an understanding of the music that I'd written in a room somewhere completely different. And it's just a bizarre connection to have. And like... A connection, I think, that is in the nature of a lot of electronic music, because a lot of electronic producers write things in rooms on their own, and then when other people sort of relate to it, it's quite an extraordinarily sort of unique and euphoric feeling when sort of... Because you're expressing a thing that's sort of inexpressible, and then if other people show that they understand it, it's, 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 it's immensely satisfying sort of as a person. So you always collaborate with people in the room. You never do it like over email or anything. Oh, uh, I did a song called Blue Angel with Claro, who I had actually met in New York before. But um, uh, I just wrote that song and sent it to her on the same day because I just knew she would be perfect for it. And she also knew that as soon as I sent it. Um, and she particularly liked that I described it as a sad banger, which I think is a... Uh, 
as a sort of a, a genre that she didn't know that she had a special place in her heart for. Um, so that actually happened completely over the internet, but ended up being one of my favorite songs that I've ever worked on as a collaboration. Hang on, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not Mark, Ron- Mark Ronson's new album all about sad bangers. Um, I, I'm not sure I'm going to correct you. I think you're completely right. Yes. I think it is described as an album of sad bangers. Are you involved? <laughs> I would love to be, but unfortunately not. I think um, many producers are interested in sad bangers. I think most people's second albums are full of sad bangers because it's an opportunity for a producer to get a bit introverted, maybe. And a bit sad. Yeah, not, it's, not, it's obviously not Mark's second album, but, you know, it's... Uh, I'm saying all producers have a lot of sort of maybe an isolation and feelings of isolation to express within the music and I think yeah you mentioned Carly she was playing yesterday did you did you see her at Primavera no but I saw her three days ago in London um uh, I would have loved to see her yesterday but I was looking after my daughter so I couldn't, but um, I had seen her. She, she performed in London in a venue and uh, we were texting about it and uh, that was fantastic to see her. It's always, always a pleasure. Love her new album. It's incredible stuff. Does it make you slightly jealous? Sorry, as in other, other people working with her is what I mean, rather than... Not really, because it's Nate Campany working with her who I just have endless respect for. It's like, I don't really get that feeling of... As long as the content is good, I'm, I don't really mind who made it, if it's me or anyone else. All I strive for is the, the greatest content and like euphoric feelings. So it's, it's great if I did it, but if someone else did it, that's also fantastic. Uh, we're going to play a song now. Um... Free reign, anything from your catalogue, what do you want to... I think uh, Blue Angel is a good choice to play now. That's one of my favourites, definitely. And why other than because Patrick mentioned it? Patrick did mention it, but that's completely unrelated to the fact that I asked you to play it. It's, yeah, no, for me it's... um, I like songs with uh, very few lyrics in them, and uh, Blue Angel has some of the fewest lyrics of all my songs, and... I love Claire's performance in it, and it's one of my songs, it's one of my songs that unusually goes on a journey structurally, because usually what I do is I'm interested in repetition and and kind of cyclical structures, but in this one it has a kind of opening at the bridge, which for me is the most emotional part of it, where the lyric is, I was your blue angel, and that's an unusual thing for me to do structurally, so yeah, for that reason it's interesting. Let's listen. Falls like snow 
Because you've you've worked with someone like Carly Rae Jepsen, um, but also with lots of sort of very underground people. Um, do you ever consider yourself like where you sit in that like underground, overground, mainstream? I yeah, I feel like I'm eternally. I I don't fit into any crowd. When I hang out with pop people, they say I'm this classical guy. When I hang out with classical people they say I'm like the pop guy when I hang out with underground people basically I'm the overground guy overground people think I'm the underground guy so yeah so I'm a bit of everything I have like fingers in all these ground pies and like for that reason I have all the benefits and like problems that come with that because yeah as an as an identity it can like be problematic sometimes but really it's that that's very much where I exist because I love pop music and I love obscure stuff. I grew up listening to like avant-garde classical music and like free jazz and stuff like that. And, and yeah, and so it's, it, it, but it's all the same thing as far as I'm concerned. I have a playlist on Spotify that for me is a true expression of that where I just like put a piece of Baroque music next to a piece of like Glenn Branker and then like some little mix. Like it's just everything I like in a row yeah and so, so yeah with this with this spotify playlist i've yeah i've tried to put everything i like in a row in a way to try and express to people the way i listen to music and for that reason i've had a lot of people talk to me about how they listen to the they listen to the playlist and they understand what i'm on about as a result of that and they can hear strands of 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 the music I put in the playlist in my music, they can hear the Baroque influences. There's a lot of Baroque influence and Renaissance in terms of the harmony and the sort of sense of arpeggio that I put in it. Do you think that being very classically trained in music and good at, you know, with experience of free jazz, etc., does that help in making pop? I mean, it's, it, it helps as much as it hinders. Like, it's, it helps in making music 
pop as a separate thing. It's it's like you get people who are classically trained who write amazing pop music. Like you get people who are classically trained who write classical music. Like Liam Howlett is a classically trained pianist. Uh, is he? I'm ninety nine percent sure that's true. Um, or that 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 that's what a sort of person told me recently. But um. It's it's a helpful tool, but it's it's far from all you need to write pop music. You need to be in touch with something very human to write pop music. The reason I ask is because sometimes I wonder. Um, I, you you get some sort of examples where you wonder if it might be a hindrance. You know, you get some people who are absolutely excellent. I'm not going to name any names. Are absolutely excellent playing their their um, instrument, and when it comes to actually making songs, all they do is sort of whittle on, basically. And I wonder, I don't know, like, if there can be that kind of tendency, because, you know, you are very good at whatever instrument to actually just play it too much, whereas pop's kind of quite sparse sometimes, or, or not, not sparse, but, like, you don't want to show off, it's not about showing off musicianship. Yeah. It's not about technique at all. Technique is but a tool to help the sort of story of the song. That's the main idea about music. But that, that was a frustration of mine, like, studying music, academically as well though seeing people who are obsessed with the technique of music but people who didn't actually even listen to music or like it or even listen to their own music which I found to be the greatest insult they they thought it was embarrassing to listen to your own music and couldn't really bear it when I thought like if, well, if, if you, you you don't like it then that's the, who, who are you going to punish playing it to it's like yeah I know Scott Walker would have agreed would disagreed with me if he was still alive but it's it's a general attitude that I, I found like quite hard to understand where my attitude has always been like my music has to be good enough to to exist on my iTunes next to the greatest music the music that I think is like the, the my favorite music which is like Beethoven and stuff like that so in a way it has to be at the same standard otherwise it's not worth writing it's like, what standard are you holding your to? If, your, what standard are you holding yourself to if it's not the highest standard? So, if you had a party, you would put on your own tunes. No, I didn't. I know people put on my tunes to embarrass me at parties. Um, uh, I mean, look, it, it, if I'm DJing, I play my own tunes. If I have a party, um, it's unlikely I'd play my own song, my own songs, or anything like that. But that's a separate thing because, like. The way in which I actually listen to music is very much personal for me. Um, I am very much like a headphone listener in terms of like the way I, I absorb it. And so if it was a party with like all my friends, I would see that as like quite a bizarre gesture to sort of push it on them in that environment. But if I was DJing at a, someone else's party, I actually probably wouldn't feel that bad about playing one of my own songs. Um, I mean, we were talking a bit earlier about free jazz and things like that. Do you ever hear that kind of influence in your music now like do you ever sort of think oh yeah that kind of thing is a little bit free jazz or just all just sort of cooked in i just don't think about it anymore which is the sort of what i learned from studying music academically from thinking about music for basically six years i in an academic sense i realized the the way to write good music is to not think about it and just follow the feelings um but that's exactly why I liked free jazz. Is it, I don't know if you can describe it as free jazz, but there's an Eric Dolphy album called Out to Lunch, which for some reason uh, has such an intense energy to it. It actually got me into like metal music listening to it, even though it's just like Eric Dolphy playing a bass clarinet for most of it. But 
there's there's such energy in it and just like it's just a pure sense of feeling and i would say that's something that i follow you were a metal fan right i was like a slipknot fan yeah i mean that's like new metal that's not like metal in the traditional sense i would say i was like system of a down slipknot american head charge were my bands when i was young you had the posters on your wall yeah, and I also had a gas mask so I could be like the DJ from Slipknot. Like that kind of new metal DJing is something that I still find uh, like quite incredible to this day. Like the DJ in Linkin Park, fantastic. Did you have a dead crow in your gas mask so you would vomit when you smelt it? I'm, I'm not sure if that story is true about Slipknot's live show. I'd be surprised if Corey did that. But, you know... I was, yeah, no, I was, I was too cowardly as a teenager. I was into the aesthetics, but probably not the lifestyle implied. Right. So we're going to play another song via the magic of radio. What would you like? A, a pop song right now, um, not necessarily one of your own, could be, that you think is an absolutely fantastic example of pop music. Yeah, I would say Haute Couture by Rosalia. You said you want to work with her, right? Rosalia. Yeah, no, I literally think her voice is one of the great voices of our time. It's like on the level of people like Whitney Houston and that kind of thing. Did you see a gig tonight? Yeah, extraordinary. There is, I have, yeah, it goes without saying that she's extraordinary, I think. Uh, she's like one of the most important artists that I've ever seen. I, I felt like privileged to be able to see that. And like the there's new material coming out with her voice i haven't yeah i haven't felt so privileged to exist in the same time as an artist as someone with as someone like her before
Okay, so a very sort of open question, general question. What makes a perfect pop song? Can you define it? Uh, it's, it's very tough to define it because there's been lots of different versions. But if I were forced to answer that, I would say Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Why? Why? Does, does it need an explanation? Maybe. Okay, well, every section is as strong as a chorus in terms of the material. Like the verse is basically a chorus. The bridge is a chorus. It's, it's all extraordinary in the way it's conceived. And it's just like it's, it exists on its own little sort of <laughs> genre island of this bizarre like folk land that it was kind of conceived in. Yeah, that's, that's what I always default to. It's an extraordinary piece of work. You once called, apparently, um, your song Broken Flowers, a.k.a. the best song of the 21st century. Um, you once called it completely frivolous. Why? I'll never live that down, will I? No. <laughs> when I was making it, I was kind of... That, that, that was when I was in the midst of like my kind of classical epiphany. Like what I described earlier is like following feeling rather than technique. That hadn't really happened yet whilst I was writing there. And what happened was I was asked to DJ a night and I'd never really heard of what DJing was. So I sort of tried to make some music that I thought sounded like some pop music that I liked. And I liked all the things like, like, yep, yeah, rhythm is a dancer and like, you're not alone by Olive and that kind of thing. And so I just sort of tried to make something in that kind of vein um, because yeah, I guess like, I did at the time think pop music was like frivolous in that respect. I think frivolous is the wrong word to describe it though. So I'd like to officially retract that statement if possible. And call it what instead? Immediate. Immediate. I found out recently, which I didn't know actually, you co-wrote a couple of songs by Nile Rodgers and Sheik. How did that come about? Uh, So I did some sessions with Neo um, and... uh, (laughs) And uh, one of the songs, very shortly after sort of uh, after writing it, um, was played to Niall Rogers in a session. Niall Rogers then said, "That's a chic song," and my demo bass playing from that from that session became the sort of replacement for one of my absolute heroes, Bernard Edwards, in a real chic track. It's, yeah, it's quite extraordinary. Um, the, it was, yeah, it was a dream come true, really, because I'm a, I am a bass guitarist. I hadn't played bass guitar in about five years, and Neo said, like, can you play bass guitar just, just as a completely random question? And I said, like, wait a minute, yes, I can. And so I, I got, like, a random, I, I just got the, the nearest bass I could, which was some squire piece of crap from, like, the wall that was I think just on display in the studio and I played the bass line I sort of made up a bass line for her and she made made up a kind of top line and yeah and the rest is a chic song were you trying to be like chic definitely wasn't no I, I was just trying to write good music I suppose and uh, the fact that I listened to a lot of chic when I was younger particularly the song funny bone brackets it's actually called bracket funny in the word funny in brackets and then bone um so 
and then when I met Niall Rogers finally after after he'd cut the song and everything I'd emailed with him for so long he sent me the greatest email I've ever received um, but I can show you that afterwards um, and uh, yeah it's he I, I said to him you know the first bass line I ever learned was brackets funny bone and then Niall Rogers just started singing that song, which is, which is just the opening guitar chords where he'd be like, jump, jump, jump. And then like, as a result, I had to like sing the bass line quite obviously. So we just had this like jam where I was like, jump, 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 boom, boom, boom. And then, and then we just like stopped. And then we, he said like, let's have a photo. And then we had a photo together. And then during the photo, he just started singing the intro again. So then we just like, yeah, launched straight back into it. There's an acapella funny bone. But yeah, that's amazing. Now Rogers wrote some of my favorite music, like the Why by Carly Simon, which I did, I did text him about it the other day, which starts on a semi-quaver before the, 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 the downbeat, which I've never heard in any song before. If you listen to it, it starts off going like, like why that tiny beat before the beginning? Um, and uh, yeah, he he ignored my question and started talking about something else. <laughs> do Do you think sort of um, there's you can still do new things with pop music? I mean, you talked about that song which started a semi quote before the downbeat, and like something you'd never heard before. Do you still find that like, every day loads of new things you can do, or is it sometimes like do some ever sort of think God they've done it all? Um, I I think what people find hard is that the more pop music exists, the more it tends to regurgitate itself. But I think that doesn't at all like hinder anything. It just changes culture and makes it more, more interesting. And you always find people making new sounds and new technology develops. As we find ourselves in an age of like deep learning and AI that will bring new challenges and new promise to what we're doing. It's like always an exciting time for pop music because pop music's a sort of reflection of what's the freshest and newest thing that everybody connects to and on that note i think it's time to call it a day uh, i'm going to play out uh with the not frivolous but uh immediate and in fact dazzling broken flowers danny thank you so much thank you Broken flowers.